The following audio session was recorded live at the 2017 Region 2 Convention in Costa Mesa, California. Please visit oar2.org for information about the 2018 convention in Sacramento and to get links for more convention recordings. Thank you for listening. All right, welcome to the parts and technical crew workshop. My name is Ann. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater and your moderator as well as a speaker for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. Okay, before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. Uh, To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may order outside in the foyer. Um, Okay, so we have a timer. Who's ready to time? All right, the... The workshop. Yeah. Yes, we'll talk loudly, or or you could actually move over there on the other side because it might be, it might be less noisy over there, and we can talk to that side. See, that's why I I only have I do can't do deal with uh, open containers because I always tip things over. Okay. Um, The topic for this session is parts and technical crew, literature and tools. So let's welcome Jack, who is our first speaker, and he will speak for 20 minutes. Here you go, Jack. 10-5-5, okay? And can you guys hear me on that side? Yeah, if there's a problem, maybe you've got to move that way, and I'll aim this way. You might want to stand up. Oh, yeah, right. I'll do a number. Okay. 14, 14. Okay. Okay. This is bizarre. Uh, Where's my podium? How can I hide? Um, Okay, so I'm Jack. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I've been around uh, since 19... Well, I've been around a long time. But I mean, I've been around programs since 1982. And um, tools. That's a... I mean... I said, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about technical stuff, and I thought, like, the Internet or something. And somebody said, no, it's the literature and the tools. So a couple of very quick stories. Uh, Literature. This is how literature has worked for me. Okay, I bought a big book in 1982, and I read it. And when my car was stolen in 1984, um, my, my car was found 10 days later in Zanesville, Ohio. Okay, Ohio. Remember that. Ohio. What do we know about Ohio? Well, we know a lot of things about Ohio. But when I got my car back a day after I had ordered a new one, and I got a call from the, 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 vice, uh, the vice police chief of Zanesville, 
finding my car, and I was ticked off um, because I had bought a new car and had to do all that. Anyway, my, when I got my car back, everything was missing the tr- in the trunk. Obviously, it was stripped and stuff, but my big book was gone. Now, they don't need another copy of my big book in Ohio, okay? <laughs> they have a few big books in Ohio. So I had to buy a new big book. And the new big book, 1984, uh, I had the only edition that was newly made in 1984, the only edition, because I saw things in that first uh, thing that weren't in there in the second edition. So in the edition I had in the first edition, when I came here in 82, I got a sponsor, note, tool, and a food plan. And at the first meeting I went to, uh, they read the tools, and uh, one of the tools was uh, sponsorship, and they said, find somebody who has what you want and ask them how they did it. So the speaker at the first meeting was this lunatic uh, guy, uh, but he was married, he had been fat, he wasn't fat anymore, and he was funny. So he had what I wanted. Uh, it turns out he was a loon. We're still friends, but he was nuts. But he sponsored me for six years. And for what I could handle, he was perfect. Uh, and then I got a food plan, which I wrote out. I happened to write out my food the first day I sat at the meeting. And that's been my food plan ever since. The problem is that when I first got the program, I asked three reasonably sane recovering men how to work this program. First, I asked Bill B., who said, work the uh, steps, which was really nice. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. Then I asked Richie um, uh, what, what it's about, and he said, get right by God. And that sounded nice, but I had no idea what he was talking about. And then I asked a guy named Larry W., and Larry said, uh, get a food plan that works for you. Now, I heard diet, and I had come from, by the time I got the program, I was pushing 30 And a diet is something I knew well. I had dieted in elementary school. I had dieted in uh, middle school. I had dieted. I did a routine. I'm not, I mean, I don't do stand-up or anything. I was recently at a school with some family members. We were at uh, Fresno State. And we walked by some little gym area, and there was uh, a rope. And I went into my routine, because this part of my family is my wife's family. They don't know, they know my history, but they don't really know my history. And I said something like, I decided in elementary school that the need for this Jewish white-collar guy to climb a farkakta rope and to get to the top of a, of a thing is, is not something that's going to be important to me. So I had problems in PE. I got to middle school, it got worse. I got to high school, it got more worse. I hit 300 pounds when I was in my first months at UCLA, and um, I didn't get to OA until I was almost 30. And so uh, dieting I knew. Therapy I had discovered uh, about at 20. So when I first came to the program, I really heard that there were two tools, a diet and therapy. Now, no one, no one ever said that, but that's the way I embraced the program. So in 84, my car is stolen, and my big book is gone. So I buy a new big book, and I have somebody in my life who starts talking about God a lot, which planted seeds that I didn't really have much use for, I thought, and certainly wasn't particularly receptive to. Well, Gary and I fired each other after six years, and then I got a second sponsor. Sponsorship. Always had a sponsor. By the way, at this point, if you're new, don't listen to the next minute. Uh, A woman came up to me when I was sponsorless and said, do you want me to sponsor you? And I said, "Uh, yeah, sure, thanks, goodbye. And then she asked me again, and I said, sure, thanks, but goodbye. And she said, why are you so resistant? I said, A, I've got more time than you. And B, I was a 100-pounder, and you weren't. 
and C, you're female and I'm male, and D, we used to date. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think this is a real good idea. And so after the second time that I rejected it, she came up to me and said, Let's, you want me to sponsor you? And I said, absolutely. And so what she did for the next six years is she planted more seeds or she watered the seeds that were already there about what Richie had talked about, which is a relationship with a higher power. But back to, I had a food plan. And as primitive as my, plan, my program may be at times, what resonated for me was what Larry said. So if you come in here and get spiritual but can't lose the weight, or you come in here and you work the steps but you can't get spiritual, or you come here and you lose the weight but you get nothing else, you know, hang around. It's a threefold disease. And I, 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 didn't, I did what I could do, and it worked for me to the extent that it worked. I lost all my weight. Um, the scale was a tool. I got down to goal weight, and uh, I went unconscious, and I uh, lost another 30, approximately 30 more pounds, and I got down to the 150s because if thin is good for an ex-fat guy, thinner is, is gooder, you know? And so I got down into the 150s. I looked like shit. Um, I felt like shit, but I was thin. And the more, and I was telling somebody recently, in the early 80s, a bunch of people assumed, A, I was gay, and B, that I had AIDS. And people would come up to me and, and have a look like, oh, how are you? You okay? And, you know, my answer was something glib, like, hey, man, I'm thin. I'm fine. <laughs> and, uh, but I believe that. Well, Deborah and I ran our course um, uh, of six years, which seems to be my, uh, <laughs> no such luck to, uh, my, my, my time with sponsors. But I got another sponsor, and I've been with him for uh, whatever that comes out to, uh, 35 I'm the adult child of a Jewish accountant, so it's 35 minus 12 is 23 years. And uh, so, uh, sponsor. Um, Food plan, plan of eating. I keep mine really, 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 really simple. And I don't argue with anybody because it works for me. There's nothing to argue about. It doesn't work for you? Don't do it. You want to try what I do? Great. Find your own. And, And program has really evolved over the years that that is an acceptable option. Uh, and I happen to eat three meals a day and nothing in between. I happen to eat no sugar and no bread. Um, I don't drink because I used to drink like a, a fish. And um, I don't, do fish even drink? Uh, anyway, I, I, I drink a lot, uh, really a lot. And when you weigh 300 pounds, you can really drink a lot. Uh, you can hold a lot. Um, I was told by a bartender once that he would serve me eight screwdrivers and not worry. Okay, so, you know, service. Um, I've not, I've not done at the higher levels, but I've almost always had a service commitment. certainly for the first 20 years. And I go in and out in the beginning. I just wanted to be secretary and then treasurer. And then my sponsor pointed out that, uh, maybe we have some ego there. So, uh, you know, he wanted me to be things like, uh, uh the, the, the greeter or, or the trash. It didn't matter. I love being of service. I love it. So it's not an imposition. Uh, to come speak here. I'm literally, I'm speaking now. I'm going to go hear my sponsor speak at lunch, and then i got to go home as I'm going out tonight. Um, and I come in from the San Fernando Valley. But you know what? If asked to speak, uh, that's kind of, unless it's not practical for my life or my schedule, I just do it. Um, about five years ago, my sponsor, after 30 years, my sponsor one day busted me uh, and said something like, you're coming to program, but you're not working a program. And I used some, I won't repeat what I said specifically, but I, I, I disagreed vehemently with his uh, opinion. <laughs> and, uh, 
he probably said, that's nice. Uh, you know, keep coming back. And then if you know so much, see how it works. And so um, I've been, since then, that he busted me, I've been calling him virtually every Monday through Friday in the morning. When he said call before, I think it was a quarter to seven. Uh, the first day I called him three minutes late and tried to convince him for 15 minutes that it was his neurosis uh, that was the problem, not my punctuality. Um, he was right. Um, I read every one of those days, the day before, before I give him, read to him what I wrote. Uh, I see him at our meeting on Saturday, um, and I read to him what I've written. Uh, the guys I sponsor call me, most of them daily. One of them calls me six days a week, and he's been in program for, I don't know, 25 years, and I've been sponsoring him for over 20. Uh, so I do now what I got complacent maybe arrogant, and wasn't doing for the longest time. I mean, I stayed in program. Meetings, I know, meetings is a tool. I never left. Now, I, I, I don't take any credit. Like, I don't drink. And people say, oh, are you a recovering alcoholic? And you know what? From what I've seen, to be a recovering alcoholic, you should work a program. And I don't work a program in AA. I've been to five AA meetings in my life. I just don't drink. So I don't take any credit for that. I just made a decision one day. I shouldn't be drinking. Well, the same thing with meetings. I, I don't take any credit. I've never wanted, I've never not wanted to be at meetings. When I was in uh, uh, Switzerland, I actually started a journey which I think was going to take me five hours by train to get there. And about halfway there, I said, this is silly. I'm on a short trip to Switzerland, and I'm going to spend, I don't know, 10 hours uh, back and forth at a meet. I didn't go there, but I've been to Hawaii. I've been to meetings uh, when I've uh, uh, in Texas and in uh, New York and uh, all over the place. And you know, um, I went to Dodger Fantasy Camp. If any of you know about that, uh, you pay an exorbitant amount of money with a bunch of other idiots who spend an exorbitant amount of money to make believe they're athletes and play with a bunch of old guys who used to be Dodgers. Um, uh, the time I went, it looked like a temple roster. There were like nine Goldbergs, four, four Schwartzes, and, uh, <laughs> and two Weinsteins. And uh, the coaches were giving the signs in Hebrew. I mean, it was really bizarre. Uh, uh, my dad thought it was Duke Schneider, I think. I, uh, I'll work that in one day, Terrell. Just stop it. Uh, don't judge. Um, but I went to fantasy camp, and I looked around for um, a sign. And there was a sign on the bottom of one of the daily schedules, Friends of Bill Wilson. Offense of Bill W. And I got into, there was one alcoholic there, another psychologist from Los Angeles, and there was a little, God bless him, a little wimpy guy from uh, Cleveland who was an Al-Anon, which I mocked, though I am an enthusiastic, dedicated member of Al-Anon now. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And we were in a, like a, it was like a motel, a converted motel. And so at the end of the meeting, um, where all the three of us are going to hold hands in this bedroom of a motel. And uh, the little Al-Anon guy says, guys, if we're going to hold hands, do you mind if we kind of like close the curtains? And so <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but, you know, it made good sense. Uh, the other 93 guys were going to look as this funny. I don't so I've been to a meeting there. I was on a cruise once. Uh, <laughs> the last place I wanted to be uh, uh, Actually, it was with my first wife and her family, so it was really the last place I wanted to be. But I was on a cruise, and I saw a sign that said Friends of Bill Wilson. And so I went to a meeting, and uh, there were a couple of women there. There were 900 people on the ship, probably 800 alcoholics, uh, 800 compulsive overeaters, and 800 of them were both. And like three people showed up at the meeting. And, uh, you know, 897 people in denial. Um, I don't judge. But we had a meeting. We had a meeting. We had no books, no literature, but we had a meeting. Uh, this is how meetings work, real quick. I was going to tell Cheryl. 
I was going to tell you this. I go to a meeting uh, a month ago in the San Fernando Valley on a Saturday morning at the OA office. The door is locked. The door is locked. I see another woman standing there. She's jimming the thing. She's got nine months. And all of a sudden, basically, a, a, uh, another woman walks by. She's a newcomer. Okay, I didn't listen to my sponsor at that moment. I didn't talk to God at that moment. I did a lot of self-will. I said, oh, man, I guess there's no meeting. And I tiptoed towards my car knowing that's a really lousy, shitty, unrecovering thing to do. So I get to my car, and there's five people standing, five women standing behind my car. And one of them looks at me and says, oh, my God, Jack, I haven't seen you in like 30 years. I haven't been to a meeting. She starts crying. She's large. And... I, I think I remember her, and four newcomers. So I said, okay, I get it. I get it. So I said, I got an idea. Why don't we have a meeting? <laughs> I want to sit in my car at the local, or sit at the coffee bean and read this paper. I had to be in that neighborhood in an hour and a half to pick up my little, my, uh, I'm a big brother, a Jewish big brother, to pick up the kid. And what I want to do is isolate. I don't want to have a meeting with a woman with nine months, a relapser, and five now newcomers. So we had a meeting. So the woman said, I haven't heard you in 30 years. Would you speak? <laughs> this is what I got up for. It's like today. I got up to come here to hear me speak and to hear him speak. Well, and to hear her speak. Um, so I do my share, and then the nine-month lady picks up the cue, <laughs> and she does the share for three minutes. And then the returning slipper person she shares. Okay, now there's three of us. There's five newcomers. I don't know about you. When I go to most meetings, newcomers don't raise their hand. If they raise their hand as a newcomer, that, that's about the most we're going to get out of them, right? One woman raises her hand, starts to share, and starts to cry. Those are good things. I would love them when they cry, right? Then the next one raises her hand and says, I'm not really here for me, but that one's my daughter. She's 19. But as you can tell, she was bigger than the daughter. She says, I think I might have a weight issue. So she shares and cries. Then the daughter shares. And then the other two people share. We look at the clock. It's 25. It's an hour and 25 total minutes in an hour and a half meeting. We're in in an atrium in a building on a Saturday with a bunch of offices. I say, well, if you guys don't mind, I don't mind telling you about this. How we end the meeting is we stand up in a circle. There were no curtains to close. I, I, we, I said, we all hold hands and we say the prayer. All eight of them held hands. So we had a meeting with no room, no big book. I pulled a Doris. For any of you who are either from L.A. or know L.A., Doris, when she died, was 175 years old. And she, uh, a little face by the end and a lot of lipstick. And she, she knew... <laughs> Daryl, where did that come from? Uh, uh, and she, she, she could recite the 12 steps by heart uh, reasonably well. <laughs> Not so reasonably well as she got older, but in the beginning she did real well. So I tried to do it, and I closed my eyes, and I rattled off the 12 steps. And you know what? Hell, I didn't do any worse than Natalie used to do. We, we, we got it done, and we went through the tools, and we went through everything. We had a meeting. We had a meeting. And um, I ran into that woman with nine months at another meeting recently, and she said she's actually seen a couple of those women and is sponsoring one of them. So, go figure. So, you know, uh, uh, so service, uh, writing. That's the writing and the reading, the plan of eating. Uh, you know, I don't argue with people. What's your abstinence and what's your plan of eating and what's your food plan? 
and what's your diet, but you can't say diet. You know what? I keep it simple. I'm not that bright. I, I, it's a lot easier. I eat this. I don't eat this. Uh, every now and again, I get some bad habit, which started out as a green light food, moved into yellow. I didn't talk enough about it. It got real close to that red line. Um, it sounds like a hockey game. It got real close to the red line and the blue line. Um, and I think Terrell hasn't heard a story about a struggle with a specific food, I think, in a pretty long time. Uh, maybe one. But it, 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 there were a lot of them along the way. And now I heard the phrase not 10 years ago, if it ain't, a, if it ain't an option, it ain't a problem. And that's been really helpful. There's certain foods I don't eat. Would I binge? When I got married a long time ago, if I would have taken a bite of the wedding cake, would I have gone, would I have eat, You know what? I'm not sure I would have. I'm not sure I would have. But if I win, I get an M&M. I get a, a bite of cake. If I lose, it's a, it's a lousy bet. It's like, you know, give me $1,000. If you win, I'll give you your 1000 back and $4. If you lose, you lose it all. It's a stupid bet. So for me, if I have an M&M, I win an M&M. And if I lose the bet, I go nose down. And uh, I lose everything. So uh, that's not something I'm going to be quick to, uh, uh, to roll the dice on. Um, what am I missing? Oh, yeah. I use the phone a lot. I invite calls. Um, I got reamed recently and yelled at viciously by a recovering member of this fellowship for not returning his call fast enough. Uh, you know what? I put my name in the book. I call back most all the time. Um, I use the phone as a resource myself. Um, I really like it when I make myself available to either newcomers or sponsees. Uh, it feels good when I call them when they haven't called me for a while. It feels good when uh, I miss our time and I call them back. It feels good. And uh, today, the nature of my life, especially as I've gotten older, is I want to be, uh, I know this is an outside issue, but I want to be a good Jew. I want to be a good recovering person. Uh, I want to be a good guy. And I don't mean by being more codependent. I mean by being uh, an example. Um, I, my, my Jewish little brother's 11. He nor his family. They're uh, not born here. They don't understand why I don't eat that bread with the hot dogs at the Dodger game. And last two times we've been there, the kid said to me afterwards, you know, next time we go, you should really take a beer when my dad offers you one. And I said, why? He said, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's nice. It's nice. I don't drink. How do you convince us to an 11-year-old Israeli kid whose father drinks? You know, what am I supposed to do? We talk about the 12 steps. So um, I, used to use, I used to use the notion of having an allergy. I, I would lie in the beginning. It was easier. Oh, I, I've got an allergy to this or to that. Um, I actually used it for years. I have an allergy to sugar. What happens? I break out in fat and, uh, or an overwhelming desire to eat more sugar. It's, it's amazing how that works. Um, so a phone call, meetings, service, literature, sponsor, f action plan. Uh, that, you know what? I live my life in an action plan. This is me on decaf. So I wake up like this. I go to sleep like this. I'll be like this about a week and a half after I die. And um, I legally should not have any caffeine in my system and generally don't. If you're new, keep coming back. Do the best you can. Uh, if you leave, come back. If you use four tools, I asked my rabbi once, if I only work four of the 613 mitzvahs, what's your suggestion? If only four, how, how good a Jew am I? He said, find a fifth one and take that one on and take on a different one one at a time. Same thing with the program. If you leave, come back. If you're not working the steps, work the steps. Today, today, today. The big deal for me today is right now, right now, 
Not what am I going to do on Monday morning with my new food plan, but what am I going to do at lunch today? What am I going to do at lunch today? So I think I've covered most of the tools. If you have questions later on, please feel free to ask, and thank you. I'll, let me read this. I'm Jack. I'm your moderator for this uh, panel. Uh, <laughs> taking over for Ann. This workshop will have... Uh, oh, we're just speaking now. Our second speaker is Ann, and she's got 20 minutes. Thank you. All right. And there is a Nasket basket back there uh, by the water. So if you want to, like, pass that around and, and uh, if you've got any questions. Um, my name is Ann. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, uh, Very grateful to be here. Uh, it's, always, uh, it's always a pleasure to do service. Um, I remember coming into this program and my whole life, I never felt like I belonged. I always felt like I was on the outside with my nose pressed up against the window, looking in. Even in my family, I felt that way. Um, but when I came here, I started to give service, and that's when I started to feel like I really belonged. I could identify but I wasn't sure that I really belonged until I started to give service. Because that, for me, that is just a really big part of my program. Um, I've done a lot of service. I've been in the program since 1980. Uh, I've been abstinent since 1982, imperfectly abstinent. And I just keep coming back. Part of my story is I never left. But I've seen a lot of people leave, and I've seen some of them come back and some not. So I'm very, very grateful that I never had to leave. So that's a big part of, you know, keep coming back. It works. And I always say, don't leave. That's better. You don't have to leave. Um, you know, I, did, I went through a relapse, and, uh, um, and I didn't leave. I went to meetings, I cried, I, you know, but I kept coming back. And that makes a, makes a huge difference, a huge difference. Um, when I was in the program for about a year, I moved from Nebraska to California. Uh, I was a, I'm a California girl who was born in the wrong state. Uh, so when I moved to California, I knew the first thing I'm going to do is find meetings. How do people move from one area to another if they're not in a 12-step program? How do they get connected? It was like immediate, immediate connection that I'm home. Even though I just moved halfway across the country, I'm home. And what a, what a gift. And, you know, as I... As I started to settle in, you know, I came without a job. I moved my kid and my cat and my furniture and, and didn't have a job. And my plan was, you know, three months. God's plan was not three months, but six months. And I got really scared. But I knew where I could go. And I could talk about that, being scared. And I remember one time saying, you know, I should have stayed where I was, where I was miserable, instead of coming here where I don't have a job. And it's like, you know, when I got a job, it was the perfect job for me. Perfect job. And that's what my life is like, is that my plan is, you know, point A to point B. God's plan is usually up the mountain, down the hill, across the lake, you know, it just isn't, it isn't what my, my uh, plan was. 
But what helps me is to keep coming back to do service, to use the tools and the literature. I love the literature. This for today book, um, I got this when it first was some, our first book in uh, December of 1982. So that's when the for today book came out. You can see I've had to tape it together. Um, it's my it's my travel for today. I have a different one at home. Um, but it's been to many countries. It's been to Africa a number of times. It's been to South America. You know, it's been many, many places. And you know what? Every time I read it, it's new. It's new. Yes, that's totally amazing. Somebody puts those words in there that were the same way with reading the steps. You know, our 12 and 12 came out... Um, the whole 12 and 12 came out in 1992. And at the World Service Business Conference in May of this year, a new edition of the 12 and 12 was passed. So there'll be a new 12 and 12 coming out uh, sometime in 2018, version two, edition two. So that will be coming. And so I have one of the initial 12 and 12s. First, it came out as the 12 the 12 steps, and that, so it got past pieces. And so the actual whole 12 and 12 came out in 1992. So, you know, so when I came in, we didn't have our literature. We only had AA literature, you know. So my AA 12 and 12 is got, well, just the 12, the 12 steps. I hadn't ever read the last part. Um, uh I mean, it's underlined. There are numerous colors of highlighter, numerous colors of ink, you know, in my AA 12 and 12. It was a lifesaver in the same way with my big book. I never did buy another big book. I have the third edition, you know, and it's the first 164 pages are the same. The stories are would be different in the fourth edition, but it's those first 164 pages that really um, spoke to me. Uh, so, and, and at the time, we didn't have our invitation to you. We read How It Works out of the big book. So a lot of things have changed, and, uh, and life goes on, and literature goes on. We have lots of literature that we didn't have before. And so I love the literature. My program is so portable because my book... Lifelines. I always get behind with lifelines when I'm at home. So when I travel, it's like, okay, I need at least a couple of them to take with me, you know, so I can continue to read lifelines. Um, writing. Right. I have a, a one of my one of the meetings, one of the face to face meetings I go to regularly is a writing meeting. So we'll listen to a podcast or. Or um, the last time I was there, we read the report written by our delegate who had been at the World Service Business Conference. So we read what she had written, and then we wrote about what... what uh, so it was a wonderful way to really l look at what had happened at the World Service Business Conference, you know, where we approved that new edition of the, of the 12 and 12. Um, so writing is a wonderful tool. I used to write a lot. I don't write as much anymore. But when I moved, I used to live in San Jose, and now I live in Aptos, which is Santa Cruz County. Um, I had boxes of journals. Boxes, and it's like, 
I do not ever want my son to find these. So I went through and I ripped pages out and put them in the fire. This took days. Put them in the fireplace, you know, cleaned the fireplace. Okay, more pages. Uh, but it was, it was such a cleansing thing. It was like, you know, burning your, your four-step that, you know, all those things go up in smoke. Um, sponsoring. I, I uh, do a lot of co-sponsoring now. Um, my my co-sponsor she travels a lot so you know we keep we try to keep in touch with email because she occasionally has email um but I, I there was a time when I um talked to my sponsor every day and I also knew her husband so one time I called her and she was not available so I said her husband answered I said will you listen to me and he says Yes, I will. So whatever it was I was, you know, going on about. And, and he just listened. He didn't say a word. And I, then, I, then I was like, thank you for listening, click, you know. But it was like I had to get that out. I was a single parent, and my son is very much like me. So when he was a teenager, oh, that was interesting. Um, but, you know, that was when I was working the program hard. Six and seven are my favorite steps because that's where I saw the biggest change in myself by working those steps and using the tool of writing. I would have to give myself a time out to go to my room, call my sponsor and write in my journal, you know, where it went through like about three pages. I was pushing so hard, you know, but that was how I worked through my anger because I came in as a rageaholic. I'd learned well at my mother's knee about about being about raging anonymity made me feel safe that i could tell you i at a meeting i could talk about i could cry i could talk about whatever it was not in detail but high level what it was that was going on with me details went to sponsor and know that I was going to be safe. When I was growing up, I didn't let anybody know if I was disappointed, afraid, um, or had my feelings hurt because that didn't feel safe. It did not feel safe. So there was a lot on the inside that... Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, there's a, there's a noise going on. Um, so... Um, I didn't feel safe, and so I, that's what I learned in this program, is that I could tell you who I really was, because then you wouldn't tell other people. Now, the, I know that that is sometimes a challenge, especially with newcomers, um, about helping them understand about the anonymity. You know, I have people who say, well, was so-and-so at the meeting? And it's like, well, if you were there, you would know. You know, because that's breaking someone's anonymity. If you say, oh, yeah, Mary was there at the at the Saturday meeting. No, anonymity is about not, not mentioning who else was there. Um, also, principles before personalities. You know, who are the speakers going to be? Well, principles before personalities. You know, come and, and see. Come and listen. 
Um, to get my tools of recovery to make sure I haven't, I've missed a bunch of them, I'm sure. Um, oh, plan of eating. Um, my plan of eating is, is very unstructured because I can eat most anything, but there's a lot of things I don't have in my house. And some things that I eat out, I really have to pay attention because something that might be okay today might not be okay tomorrow because it's like I get in this, I get in this obsessive thing. It's like, ooh, let's do this every day. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's okay every once in a while. But every day you've taken it beyond. So that doesn't work for me. Um, so to be able to, that means I really have to pay attention all the time, paying attention all the time. Um, action plan. I don't actually write down an action plan, but I do have a schedule. You know, I have to, I have to put structure in my life because if I don't put structure in my life, I get nothing done. So, you know, part of that is I work out in the morning because if I wait till afternoon, it doesn't happen. You know, get up in the morning, uh, meditate, pray, eat breakfast, go work out. Um, so there's structure that way. And there's um, a phone meeting I do Friday morning at 9 o'clock that I love. It's a, a step in tradition uh, phone meeting. Love that meeting. Strong meeting. Um, and then I've got a couple of face-to-face -face meetings that um, I go to during the week. So I love the, the combination of the face-to-face -face and the phone meetings. And um, last year at the convention, there were a number of people on the phone that were from California and were going to be at the convention. So it was really cool that we actually met face-to-face. -face. We had lunch together. It was so fun because now... Oh, and one of the persons said she was uh, looking, she had met another Anne, and she said, I closed my eyes and said, that's not her. Wasn't the right voice. <laughs> so it was just really interesting to be able to meet. And so now when I, we hear voices, and I hear those voices on the phone, I have a picture of who they are. But it's that, that whole thing of, of going to meetings and getting connected with people um, that really makes that those connections. There's something about those connections. Uh, let's see. Telephone. Oh my God, my telephone weighs so much. I, you know, I've been in the program for a long time, and I still struggle with making phone calls. Um, but I do make them. It's a struggle. I love getting them. Absolutely love getting them. There's one woman that goes to one of my meetings that she calls regularly. And even if I don't, it, you know, if she has to leave a voicemail message, it just brightens my day, you know, because I've seen the changes in her in the last few years. Let's see. Writing, we talked about that. Literature, action plan, and then the service. I've done a lot of service. And, um, you know, one of the things about doing service for me was that I learned I had skills that I didn't know I had, and I was able to take those skills into my career. I practiced on you because you're, you know, you're safe. 
You know, um, I chaired the 1988 convention in San Jose, and when they asked me to chair that convention, it was at an assembly, I just burst into tears. I was like, I can't do this. I have to go talk to my sponsor. And, of course, she said, of course you're going to do it. Of course you're going to do it. And I learned a lot about me and the skills that I have um, about working with people and forming teams and delegating and, you know, going with the flow because conventions are, are often about going with the flow because it never quite flows the way that I have it planned. Um, but it was such a, thank you, it was such a, an amazing thing to discover all those things that, that the skills that I didn't know I had. And so it was interesting then because when I, in my career, I was later a manager. And so being able, I'd learned that skill about managing a big project. And, uh, but so I learned that skill by practicing on you guys and then taking it into my career. So there's just, service is just an amazing, amazing thing to feel connected. And, you know, service doesn't have to be, you don't have to chair a convention to do service. Some of you are probably relieved. Some of you are probably, okay. So, but service can be all kinds of things, setting up chairs, putting chairs away, greeting newcomers. I love to be the newcomer greeter. I love that. And just, you know, even on the phone, you know, so you just talk to people about, you know, what did you think? How did you get here? What's going on? Do you have questions? Do you want to just chat about what's going on in your life? Um, I just love the newcomers. Uh, And... And, uh, you know, asking them to come back. And, and I was texting a guy the other day that had been at the Friday phone meeting, and, and he wasn't there the next week. So I texted I text him to say, oh, I missed you. I missed you at the meeting. Um, because a lot of times newcomers need to be encouraged to come back. Because it's a scary thing walking in that room. Are there other compulsive overeaters here? And it's like we're all going like this, and they're like, Oh my gosh, it's a cult, you know. <laughs> but you know, being able to um, to welcome them and encourage them, and I'm a big hugger, so I'm always like, "Would you like a hug?" You know, I when I go to meetings, um, I collect hugs. You know, I live alone. My cat is not a good hugger, <laughs> so I need to collect hugs when I go to meetings, face-to-face meetings, or anything like this. This morning I came down and I think I hugged everybody that I met in the hall all the way down to registration because I was the board liaison for the registration this morning. And then I hugged all the way along the registration tables. And You know, it's, it's wonderful. There's something about that. And um, last night in the, in the opening just feeling the the energy and the love in that room was amazing. The speakers were wonderful, and uh, the entertainment was wonderful. But what was the most wonderful was the energy and the love that was in the room. You know, and it gives me goosebumps when I think about that. Because when I came here, thank you, when I came here, I felt very lonely and very alone and not connected to anyone. 
And, you know, I learned so much here. I have an amazing relationship with my son. You know, he was 10 when I came into these rooms, and I was not struck sane on the first day. (laughs) It was a number of years before I even had a toe in sanity. You know, but because of this program, I have an amazing relationship with him. We talk about things, and, and um, you know, I had a friend who once said that the people in my family get programmed like secondhand smoke. <laughs> you know, it just seeps out there, you know, and that's part of my service. You know, it says in our, in our 12th step, it says, we are the message. We are the message. And, you know, I came in as a rageaholic. Nobody in these rooms really knew me when I was like that. You know, and I'm sure I still have the ability. But thanks to God, I haven't had to demonstrate that ability for a long time. And so grateful. So, so grateful for that. That's why I love 6 and 7 is because that's where I got the relief the relief of understanding that behind my anger was either fear, disappointment, or hurt feelings. And when I could start to look at those things instead of covering them all up with anger, because once I was angry, nobody came close. They didn't know anything about that stuff underneath. um, That my life changed. It really changed. Now, you know, when someone's driving erratically, I just go, oh, thank you, God, he's moving away from me protect him and anyone else that he's around. All right. So my time is up. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll share now. Uh, We have two announcements. One is the last nine people you hugged were members of the Dock uh, Dock Workers Union. And they want to thank you very much. Um, (laughs) And now the other one. She's hugging people. I don't know. Uh, the other one is the hotel people have been notified about the, the gap in the wall. Uh, we apologize for the distraction. They uh, gave us a promise that it will be fixed during lunch. And it was pointed out that what a great third step opportunity for us all. Right? Yeah. That was not done by the hotel, by the way. <laughs> we'll fix the goddamn thing and turn it over, would you? Um, <laughs> midway through the final spin. Thank you for sharing. Okay, It's time for the Ask It Basket. Um, you can sort them or just read them and we can go back and forth. The timekeeper will advise the moderator when two minutes are left in toto. I love that. Left in the whole, I mean, yeah, they said timekeeper will advise moderator when there's two minutes left in the whole session, which is, I guess, 1230? I mean, 1130? Like I said, 1150, that's what I meant. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. sure to use the link and read the question. Oh, God. Somebody's going to play back, aren't they? What's the blue line? Somebody took me seriously. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anybody know anything about hockey around here? I don't know anything about (laughs) hockey. Um, But really, I think Ant said it well. Uh, When I came to the program, I discovered uh, 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 sugar-free yogurt things. And I went from one a day, you know, with lunch, with lunch, to one a day with lunch and dinner to one a day with lunch and dinner and bought one overnight for breakfast. And many was a day that I didn't eat a lot of food other than my three meals a day of mostly that stuff. And I'd see all the other people that had a ritual of going to the same place I would go. Uh, They were all anorexic women.
who made, you know, like this size of that stuff and nothing else. And um, eventually I cut it out. And then a few years later, not telling anybody, I took it back. And then I started talking about it again and got rid of it. And I don't know, it must be, I'm guessing, six, seven, eight years, I'm guessing. And I haven't had any uh, for a while. I would go to the same shop and get a cup of coffee there. And not to test myself, but I just like the environment. Um, there are things in our life that we get, you know, uh, uh, we get relieved from the insa- get relief from the insanity, and um, I just don't want a, a structured food plan and to be insane. Um, I don't know if it's age, because I'm getting old, er, old, er, um, <laughs> er, er, um, and time and program. But uh, the speaker Saturday morning said that that I mean, without being a, an ageist. And he's a guy a little bit younger than me. He said that something about aging, if you do it right, and something about time and recovery, if you do it right, um, it does provide a, a better way to live, a calmer way to live, a more insightful way to live. And, uh, you know, I'm not an advocate for getting old, but, but uh, other than it beats the hell out of the alternative. Uh, <laughs> uh, but hopefully with time and program uh, comes some wisdom and uh, uh, so that's really what I was joking about with the food, though. Uh, if I if I can't do it, I just don't. Uh, and you know, I'll I'll probably have some challenge to that, you know, by tomorrow and fetching to my sponsor about it. But as uh, long as I stay honest, there was a quote, real quick in one of the old copies of the big book for real, uh, the third edition. Now the fourth edition doesn't have it, but there's a story called Bell of the Bar, and it was a great story. And it was by a woman, so I don't understand why they took it out in the pursuit of adding more stories by uh, women, people of color, uh, uh, the gay and lesbian community, and and young people. But they took out the story. And on page 42 of um, third edition, she has the end of the the story is a paragraph about, what's that, five inches long about honesty. And she said the the word honesty would be the easiest thing for her in recovery because it's the exact opposite of everything she used to do. So, you know, it's like on the Seinfeld show, doing the opposite. You know, whatever you want to do instinctively, you do the opposite. And she said, it's something to work on. She'll never be perfect at it. But over time, basically, she said, baby steps and a step at a time, she can get better with it. So, thanks. Okay, this is, uh, uh, says, please explain what co-sponsoring looks like for you in comparison to traditional sponsor-sponsee relationship. Um, Co-sponsoring is um, that we basically support each other um, instead of... uh, Instead of a hierarchical relationship, for lack of a better word, it's a lateral relationship that we've both been in program for quite some time. Um, that we, when we talk, we we each talk, and and uh, um, and and also that that's a, a person to go to for advice or counsel or just a listening ear. But it's a mutual, a mutual thing. So that's that's what what uh, how that works for me, and then also uh, read a list of all the tools. So the tools are a plan of eating, sponsorship, meetings, telephone, writing, literature, action plan, anonymity, and service. So those are the are the nine tools. All right. Do you want to? I'm just. Yes. How do you co-sponsor when you're not 
Oh, so the question is, how do you co-sponsor when you're doing the steps? Well, that would mean that that if I was working on step three, I would talk to her about what I was doing on step three, and she's working on step nine. She would talk to me about what she was doing on step nine. That help? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Correct. Okay. So, so the so the question is: Are you um, are you sponsoring like are you co-sponsoring with a newcomer? No, no. It's it's two people who have been in the program for a while, have worked through the steps, and are now actually helping each other do the day to day living. Yeah. Well, I, I, I basically, I listen, which is a role, the role of a sponsor is, is to listen. And then if she asks for input from me, I will give input in the same way the other way. It's not two people, it's not, Rosie, it's like, not like you and me sponsoring him. It's like you and I joint sponsoring each other. Okay. Okay. No. No, 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 no. No. Great. Thank you for Thank you for clarifying that. Can you imagine the bringing me to clarify? It's kind of scary and I just met you. What are your basic basic meals or uh, and what is your daily plan like for example, when do you read and write? I'm in a in a career which affords me Freedom of schedule, and in theory, a lot of free time, uh, sometimes less free time. But I've got the time, and I wind up building in uh, uh, an hour at least a day when I go on a walk, or maybe if I have a two-hour break, I'll go over and sit at the local Starbucks and uh, uh, hang out, and I'll do my writing. I'm now in another 12-step program, so I do the reading for both. Not a lot of reading. I mean... um, for a while, it was a paragraph no matter what, and some of the paragraphs are like five pages long, and some of them are like a line long. And uh, uh, now it's, uh, I, we're starting, I have a new copy of the big book. I apparently bought somewhere along the way. Uh, it's a padded version. looks like a Bible, and it's only uh, uh, got writing on the one page, and then the other side has got lines for um, uh, writing. And so uh, I started on that one. I, I think I've got about seven or eight big books somewhere between the house, my office, uh, my car, uh, waiting for the next time it's stolen. Um, actually, by the way, as a side note, my car, the same car was stolen two years later, and it wound up in East L.A., stripped of most everything, including my big book. So uh, <laughs> somebody needed the big book. <laughs> Ohio and East L.A. Um, and so I, I kind of... The prayer, a couple things. In addition to quiet time, uh, I sponsor a guy, the guy who's been sponsoring for 20 years, and he and I were at a workshop, got to be almost 20 years ago, and he said that his sponsor taught him something. I was the only one in the room who knew I was his sponsor, and I didn't teach him that. It was way too good, way too good. But I've done it ever since. I do not turn on the car radio until I get to 
my first destination in the morning. So in the morning, it's work. Uh, I leave really early. I leave my house before 6. So it's, it's maybe 20 minutes. In Los Angeles, that's to go, I think, a mile and a quarter. Um, <laughs> I could walk there faster. But I don't turn on the radio. And so I rattle off prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. And because I'm both trying to concentrate on driving and half asleep, uh, sometimes the, um, the prayers don't complete. And if I stop, I just start again. And uh, if one of them just doesn't seem to want to go past a certain point, I'll do a different one and until I get to the first destination. So if on the weekend uh, after that, I will, you know, like, but th- today my first destination was here. And so I had plenty of time in addition to the hour ride uh, uh, to go over and over and over and over. And I do everything from the third step prayer to the uh, serenity prayer to rattling off of the first three steps uh, to whatever. And so that's an additional booster shot in addition to whatever else I have time. I don't do it in the morning because I get up, I get showered, I get dressed, and I get out. And then I've got time on the other end by my office. And that's when I, I might read, I might write, I might pray. Uh, I might nap just to finish my night's sleep. And, uh, but I, I build it in during the day. Uh, and if somebody tells me they don't have time, I think my sponsor busted me years ago because the excuse would be, I didn't have time today. I was really, really busy. I didn't have time. And I don't think he ever believed me, and rightly so. And one day he somehow, I don't remember how or when, uh, very uh, tactfully and gently remi- uh, kind of illuminated that that's just not the truth. And I'm, mer- I'm, I'm not merciless now when I point that out to guys I sponsor or people in my office, but to say I don't have the time is just not true. I don't choose to use the time, uh, which is a, a choice, uh, albeit not a great one, but, but if I choose not to, uh, part of the re- taking responsibility in recovery is to say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And just to own that without excuses, which is a, a challenge in and of itself for me. So, Okay. Um, phone outreach and online meetings. We live in a remote area. Are so difficult for me to get motivated to do. Any suggestion? Um, one thing that I found is that once I got started with phone meetings, there are regular people who come to those. Just like face-to-face meetings. There are regular people who come to that same phone meeting, and you start to get connected. But that first time is always the most difficult, you know. And, you know, it's like, well, what do I do to mute and unmute the phone? And what do I blah, blah. But um, this phone meeting that I go to, we have a script, and we're constantly saying, you know, press star one to unmute if you'd like to speak. You know, press star one to mute. Uh, You know, so it's... It's back and forth, but but it is, at first, it's like, well, I used to do phone meetings in my job, so it was like no big deal for me. It's like, oh, yeah, I can call in and do this phone conference. Um, but for a lot of people, it's very intimidating. Uh, but it really is, um, it's amazing how much you can get connected with people even though you can't see them. It's strange to share if you've never done it before, you get no feedback because you can't see anybody nod. I can see people nodding, and but you you don't see that, so it's kind of weird at first. But then you kind of get used to it. That you know, people are listening. People are nodding. I don't need to see your head nodding to know that somebody out there is nodding, because we all get it. We all get it. So. Um, 
if you are interested in the Friday morning meeting at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. California time, um, please see me and I will give you the information and will encourage you to come. This sounds like a, 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 like it's not true, but it really is true. Anne mentioned about uh, she got the husband of somebody she had called. Uh, I used to have a friend in Hawaii local whose partner uh, was an AA, so I didn't care which I got. But I'll tell you something. This is only a story, but there's a guy in program in our part of town that said he was a, a salesman, and he was on the road, and it was the middle of the afternoon, and he found an AA meeting, and he gets to the church at 2 o'clock for a 2 o'clock meeting. There's one little guy sitting there by himself. And he says before the meeting, look, sir, I, I just want to talk before the meeting. I need to talk. I'm from L.A. It's been a tough day. Uh, just listen. And he goes on for five minutes, dumps everything. And after five minutes, the little guy turns to him and says, Señor, no hablas inglés. <laughs> and Ken said it didn't matter. No, he felt better anyway. Yeah. And so everybody was happy. The guy looks at him like, and it wasn't a meeting. It wasn't even a meeting. But it didn't matter. He was happy. and uh, yeah. I'm sure they held hands and said the Lord's Prayer. No, I don't know. Close the curtain. Close the curtains first. Okay. Um, what literature do you suggest your sponsees read? Do you give assignments? Um, one of the things I've started doing with my sponsees is once they go through the 12 steps, we go through the 12 traditions in both the AA and the OA um, books. Um, because, again, that second half is probably the least read pages in any book because there's no ending. Um, but that, that's definitely, and, and I work with people, I work with my sponsees on the steps. So, we're, you know, it's what step are you on? Have you read? Have you written? I expect people to write, you know, and share with me... Um, what's been what you wrote um but it's been really interesting working with the traditions because it's so eye-opening and i love the aa because then you find out why the tradition was put in place by experience with things that didn't work (laughs) so that's a that's a big one by the way uh exactly the same but i would not have believed this so if you don't believe it so far though you should I, had, I don't think I had ever read through the entire traditions. And after we went through the 12 steps this la- uh, time, I, we spent the, the same amount of diligent uh, day, day in, day out time with the traditions. And personally, I was ecstatic reading them. I wasn't thrilled at the idea. But, but once I was reading them, they were, uh, and I'm not a reader, they were mesmerizingly valuable and interesting and um, uh, I regret that I hadn't done it before. And we go through the same thing. We go through, and my sponsees, big book, uh, 12 and 12 AA, 12 and 12 OA. Um, and occasionally we've done outside stuff if it's about recovery, 12-step recovery, not outside, outside stuff, but not uh, 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 approved stuff, but about this area as seen by people in this program. So uh, outside literature technically, though. And one of the things also is when you go through the traditions, the traditions are applicable to your personal life. Very applicable to your personal life. You know, the first tradition is about unity. You know, so if you're a member of a family, and I think all of us are a member of a family, that that we all need to be pulling in the same direction. 
And that's a, that's also an interesting concept, uh, being pulling in the same direction. I was having an argument at home one day. This got to be about five years ago. And out of my brain and then my mouth came, you know, really, our common welfare should come first. <laughs> and my wife stopped. She stopped, and it's the first thing probably in 10 years she actually said, wow, that was, that was, that was good. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for sharing. Okay. You want to try um, that one? Journaling. Um, I did way more writing in the beginning. I was unemployable when I came to program. I was in the insurance business. I was uh, making uh, zero money, lying about my sales calls. And winding up often at the uh, a bowling alley off the freeway in West Covina, and calling my boss, talking about the West Covina New York Life Agency that I was apparently uh, visiting and talking to the brokers, was making up names, and playing pinball machines and drinking diet cola when I got the program, and so um, I was pretty unemployable. There was a restaurant in Santa Monica, uh, Cafe Casino, and I used to sit there for hours in the sun with the literature. And just read and write and outline and read and write and outline. I don't do as much anymore. But again, when you got a daily ritual uh, in two programs, reading very focused program stuff, it's right there. And I'm in a career where it's right there anyway. But I mean, I, I have to live in it all the time. And I tell you, I, I didn't think that would be fun to have it kind of be. But it's become in, inter, intertwined in every fabric, every you know thread of my fabric. And so uh, I live it, even if I'm not always doing this stuff. But I, I, again, the ritual of daily writing has been... Uh, because once I don't do it, it's really... I mean, I joined a gym once. Rich, Richie had me join a gym because... I said, why do I have to join a gym? He said, because I get six extra free months if you join. And so, uh, <laughs> so I joined, and I went every other day for nine months. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday... Tuesday, I didn't even, you know, it was like every other day for nine months, except for the one day I missed. And that was in 1984. And I haven't been back, I think. I'm, I'm, I, so, I mean, you know, if I get it entrenched in my rituals, I'm, I'm very much a creature, a creature of habit and uh, weave it in. Like she says about the exercise, if she doesn't do it in the morning, it ain't happening. Uh, if I'm neurotic that way, then, you know, play into the neuroses. Uh, use them to my advantage. Okay. <laughs> no, no hablo español. Uh, just the way I, I asked him to go through the steps is like, okay, read it, write about it. Of course, in the traditions in the OA, there's questions. So it's about reading, writing, and comparing it. How can you use it? How, how does it apply in, in meetings? And how does it apply in your life? And how does it apply in your work? So it's really looking at how, how the traditions can really have a positive influence on all areas of our lives. Does that help? And if you really want to be obnoxious and fine-tune it beyond that, um, I'm busted each time mine starts to sound like a book report. So if you really want to uh, piss off your sponsees, uh, uh, take it a step further because otherwise, for me, it becomes an intellectual exercise. And if it's an intellectual exercise, that's interesting, but uh, join a book club or take a poli-sci class or something. Yeah. If you really want to work the program, it, it's, it's, it, it, the road does get narrower 
I mean, uh, the hoop through which we have to jump is large, but the road does get narrower. And so when I'm doing book reports, I even bust myself sometimes. But even if I don't, my sponsor will point out, but that's interesting. But uh, it's irrelevant in that how is it affecting you? How do you do it? How do you not do it? And really reel it in and, and make it as personal uh, as is possible. Um, the question about journaling, how, why, how often, um, uh, I, too, do not journal as much as I used to. I, I don't have a, a, bo a box full of journals anymore. Um, but when I was, it was like a nightly thing. You know, it was part, again, if I, it's got to be part of the routine for me. You know, it's like that morning routine is, you know, meditate, pray, feed the cat, have breakfast, go work out. You know, it's, has, it's that routine. And that was part of the routine is like, you know, that's what I would do before I went to bed was to write. If I, and if I'd had, if I had written earlier in the day, then maybe I wouldn't. But I was writing every day. And um, it was a wonderful routine, and it really, really helped me, especially when I was working through 6 and 7, especially. Because um, with 6 and 7, um, what I experienced was that once I was looking at a character defect, you know, becoming entirely ready, I mean, it was everywhere I turned. Everywhere. I think, oh, I don't want to look at it. I'll look over here. Oh, there it is. You know, so to write until I, you know, teeth gritted was entirely ready to have it removed. You know, so it was really good at that time to really write about all of that on a daily basis. Um, what I do now um, is uh, one of my co-sponsors, we text our 10th step most every day. And I do the A-E-I-O-U-Y, um, which is A, am I abstinent? E, did I exercise? I, what did I do for me today? Oh, what did I do for others? You is uncovered uh, feelings. And why is Yahoo? What's wonderful? What am I grateful for? So that's a quick text message um, to be able to send out. And it makes a big difference when I do that regularly. All right. Yeah. What do I do when I'm unwilling to be willing? I pray for willingness, for the willingness to be willing, to be willing, to be willing. You know, it's like, okay, God, usually what happens with that is that I have something in a death grip. And it's like, okay, God, please pry my fingers off of this. Help me to let go of it. That's a big one for me is that, you know, I want to hang on. I want to control it because that will make it perfect. You know, but um, obviously that does not work very well. At least it hasn't in my life. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, so A is abstinent. Are you abstinent? E is exercise. I, what did I do for myself? O, what did I do for others? U, what feelings were uncovered? And why gratitude? Yahoo. You're welcome. Yes.
Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, her question is, how do you end that phone conversation? Um, you know, how do you, how do you end any, any conversation? And, you know, one of the things that I do is sometimes I only have five minutes to talk. And so um, def- the, I set a timer. I tell people, I, you know, I only have five minutes. I'm going to set a timer. You'll be able to hear it, you know. Um, and, and at the end, I always end a, co- a conversation with take care. Take care. Or, in some cases, love and hugs. But always, you know, I care about you. Take care. So I don't know if that helps at all, but it's just having, again, it's that routine. This is how, this is my, the habit that I have. Yes. Obviously not, or you wouldn't ask the question, Carol. Um, <laughs> um, apparently, um, I'm supposed to have heard Anne when she talked about... I mean, I know about things like when you have a meeting. We used to, in L.A., they want to put the name of the speaker, and I learned real easy, no, 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 you don't hype a, a speaker. Uh, we had that as an issue five years ago at the intergroup. I mean, so some people don't get that part, thus reading the traditions. But apparently I make too many references to people by name. That's, that's uh, uh, I mean, I used to think of anonymity as anything I could do that would be objectively bad. You know, I don't want to gossip. Uh, that I understand that that's not good. I don't want to uh, break any, I don't want to tell you that he's in program. So uh, if I meet somebody on the street and I'm with people not from program, I, I understood all of that. But apparently the more evolved the next step would be to, there's no need to mention people by name from the podium. There's no need to mention my sponsor by name, by podium, from the podium, and stuff like that. So um, I understand what I thought to be the totality. It really was the foundational basics. It's a start, but there's, uh, there was, there's more. It's, again, the more you work the traditions, the more I find that uh, it's nuanced. And each time I read it, I pick up more the longer I'm in program. I actually, after uh, uh, my unnamed sponsor had me do the traditions, I was at a meeting, two, me- two different meetings where I thought I was seeing glaring traditions violation. And I made a big deal about it. And one of them I won out. And the other one I was very much in the minority. And to this day, well, I'm old, so I don't remember what it was, but I, I, I know that I believe I was right. And um, I don't know what the hell it was about, but I was, must have been right. Um, uh, but, but I would see things that, that were just glaringly wrong. And that the one time I brought it up and it, it, it kind of prevailed, I was really proud because that's something in the first 30 years of program I wouldn't even have known to honor, which is almost disrespectful of the men and women uh, who, who put those all together in AA. Uh, they, there was a method to the madness and uh, it'd be a shame not to take full advantage of, of uh, all of those methods. So, Yeah, that's a hard one for people, you know, about who did you see at the meeting. Um, but also, I mean, we get these wonderful tidbits from people that we want to share. But we don't have to say, well, Jack said, da 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 I can oh, I say... No, no, I won't. I can't do that. It's anonymity. You do not get to choose whether it's anonymity or not. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Uh, so, but I can say, I heard at a meeting, blah, 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 blah. And it's the same way with outside issues. You know, I don't come in and say, I saw this TV program about sugar, uh, you know, but I can say, you know, I heard this. And I think it applies to me without, you know, we don't need a footnote that gives credit to everything, you know. So, so it's about sharing the message, but not the person. So, or the article or the TV show or the whatever, but sharing the message and how that applies to me. So our time is up. So I think we're ready to circle up and pray. Beyond our 